Welcome to this podcast that is all about funding. From grants to crowdfunding, I will be answering questions and providing tips and advice on how to best move forward in securing grants and funding for your nonprofit, research, or business. My name is Holly Rustic, and I'm creator of WeGo Consulting and Amazon best-selling author for wish-granted tips, tools, and templates to write a winning grant. Want to get more grant writing and funding resources, books, and online courses? Visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com or wegogrants.com. Check out our free templates. Or if you have any grant writing or funding questions, you can always send me an email at hollywego at gmail.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y-W-E-G-O at gmail.com. I'm excited to hear from you and to try my best to answer any questions so that you can increase your funding and impact your community and the world at large. So let's get started because money can be groovy. Hey, Changemakers, it's Holly here. Happy holidays. All right, guys, we are getting into 54, the secret formula to increase funding for your nonprofit. All right, I'm really excited about this one, and I hope you are too, as it will really release a secret formula. All right, guys, so um, before we get into it, though, I just want to say at Grant Writing and Funding, we have a lot going on. I've got two sweet deals going on for all of you nonprofit execs and grant writers out there. So we have the beta membership starting up soon. You'll get real awarded grant applications, so these sample grant applications that I actually wrote that have been awarded, an archive of training videos on grant writing and research and funding wows, checklists for grant writing and funding, discounts on our services, a community of other nonprofits and grant writers, and Q&A sessions with yours truly. All right, guys, so we're gonna have all of that for only $27 per month for the beta group. The price will go up substantially in 2019, so please email me to get on the waiting list at hollywego at gmail.com if you are interested in getting in at this beta price that you will be looped in So when the price goes up, your price will stay the same. All right, guys. Other awesome sauce we have going on is the Amazon bestselling book, Wish Granted, is getting a re-release with a new title, a new cover, and a little dressing up of the content. So if you would like to be on the advanced reader team and get a free e-copy of the book before it's released of the new one, then please send me an email. Once again, hollywego at gmail.com and just simply put in there, add me to the art, A-R-T. That's advanced reader team and I will definitely get you on that list you'll be able to get a free e-copy I just ask that you just send me any feedback and a testimony to put on Amazon um, that really helps a lot it's such a cool thing um, and it gives you value because you'll be able to have a first go at it and to have it before it's actually published awesome all right and we have a lot of books coming out in 2019 so if you'd like you could stand that on that art team and you will be getting more books we have amazing amazing the whole series is coming out in 2019 I'm super excited about it. Grant research, we're gonna have all different types of things on your nonprofit even, how to do a SWOT, how to you know really define your mission and vision statement, all of these great, great books. So very condensed books, workbooks, which are great. So um, you can actually write in them. It's a lot of fun. So I'm really excited. So if you'd like to be included on that, send me an email. And one more thing is I also have an in-person grant writing training coming up in Nashville in June. So I will be sharing more about that in the new year. A new thing that I'll be releasing in Nashville is also how to set up a grant writing freelance company. So if you, you know, have been kicking around a little bit, writing grants here and there, but you know, you're just, it's not that serious yet, but you really want to turn it into a serious business. I will have an in-person live training on how to do that. So you can actually make an income 
um, while you're helping others. You can work out of your house, but have a consistent blueprint set up so you can really flourish and have abundance as a grant writer freelancer while you're helping others and really raking in some awesome grants for nonprofits. So if you're interested in that, send me an email too, but I will be talking about more of that in the new year. So yes, we do have a lot going on. All right, so let's get down to business and get into the secret formula to increase funding for your nonprofit. Really? A secret formula? Yes. And this isn't a supernova blueprint for grant writing or the newest edge in social media to get people to click donate on your crowdfunding campaign. It is much better than that and much simpler. I'm not gonna say it's easy, but I am gonna say it's simple. All right, this secret formula can unlock millions of dollars from the ether that are waiting to be given to your nonprofit. It can increase partnerships and relationships on an exponential level. Ooh. It can increase prosperity for your staff so they are no longer glorified volunteers. As I mentioned, it is simple, although simple isn't always easy. I have seen the same secret formula work for my business and for many nonprofits that I work with if they take the lesson to heart and transform their minds. So what is the secret formula? Just what is this golden nugget? Well, first let's talk about what it will solve. The reason I wanna share this with you, and especially at this time of year as we're entering into the, the seasons, the holiday seasons, it's just a majority of nonprofits and clients that I first start interacting with suffer from not tapping into this formula. They go year to year in the same old funk with little hills of grants or small fundraisers along the way, but then dip into lulls of paycheck to paycheck survival of their nonprofit. There is a heaviness to the nonprofit where many individuals do not know if they will have a job once the grant is expended. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a terrible, terrible feeling. So there is a heaviness to the nonprofit where many individuals do not know if they will have a job once the grant is expended at the end of the year, when a new government administration moves in, or when that big company donor in your town closes up shop. There is an underlying consistent feeling of insecurity and of helplessness with hiccups of meager faith and hope. This grinding frustration and sometimes slight depression, let's face it, can be expressed with the much too often thought that others should be giving to your nonprofit and even sometimes even manifested in its anger because others are not supporting your cause. Now, if you allow me to go to a deeper place with you today, just see if you have felt any of these feelings. There's no judgment here as the amazing Gay Hendricks and the Big, Big Leap, love that book, you guys, oh, if you haven't read it, he succinctly states that Feelings are meant to be felt, right? So sometimes we try to push them away, but sometimes we need to feel them to understand them. However, awareness to these, feeling, these feelings can sometimes bring liberation. Maybe you have felt a tightness in your chest or shoulder blades, haven't been able to sleep through the night, or just a heaviness that can't be shaken. The first step of the magic formula, so let's get into it right now, is one, awareness of thoughts and feelings, both emotional and physical. All right, so you might be saying, what are we talking about, <laughs> right? But what are you feeling emotionally? Tiredness, disappointment, desperation? I've seen the mental health of social workers and nonprofit workers circulate with these three feelings often. 
from the thought that working in this field will only bring meager peanut paychecks, yet results in life-transforming satisfaction of helping others. The reality is, well, whatever you think it to be true, right, is your reality. But some nonprofit workers exist in a martyrdom that turns into irritation once they realize that a deep satisfaction isn't always felt when they're serving, and the paychecks just can't pay the bills. Do you believe that because you work for a nonprofit, you should get very little pay? That's a question I'd like you guys to consider. Another question is, do you believe that a nonprofit worker should immediately pay, or that a nonprofit should immediately pay you a six-figure check? Both of these beliefs on each side of the pendulum are inconsistent, yet they're actually pervasive. I hear this either. Oh, Holly, I'm starting up a nonprofit. I'm quitting my job. I was making six figures. I should be able to make it right away. First month, getting grants already million dollars. That's usually not the case. The other thing is, I'm never going to make that kind of money that they make out in the in the real world, right? They call it <laughs> a lot of times. They'll say, oh, you know, $20, $24,000 a year is going to be the highest for an executive position at a nonprofit. And, and that's poverty level, right? So both very consistent and pervasive mindsets. But the awareness of these thoughts is important. It's not judgment. It's what do you believe? When you get real with yourself, how does it feel when you believe this? Do you feel a tightness in your body anywhere? Do you feel tired? Do you feel energetic and ready to serve? If you don't feel energetic and ready to serve, then why not? Is it because of any of the aforementioned thoughts? So the first thing in this is I just want you to kind of check your thoughts. What do you think about it when you think about funding and you think about your nonprofit? Or if you're a grant writer, what do you think about funding and getting money for your clients? So I really want you to kind of just sit back and think for a minute. This is your first step in unlocking. See, it's not even, (laughs) all you have to do is take a moment to think about your thoughts. Number two, tap into why you are doing what you are doing. There is a reason you started a nonprofit, that you volunteer at a nonprofit, or that you are a grant writer. You see a need and you want to be a part of that solution. You are passionate or compassionate about a certain issue. Maybe you started an animal shelter because you can't stand the sight and thought of animal suffering. Or maybe you volunteer at a nonprofit that helps survivors of human trafficking because you yourself are a survivor. Or maybe you are a grant writer and focus on raising money for universities or hospitals because you are passionate about increasing jobs in your community. Whatever the reason, there is usually a deep-seated reason that resonates with your core values. Because of this reason, you create an energy that is more valuable than cash, your talents, passion, and drive. Just this alone will unlock the woo-woo of the universe to start generating life and abundance for your cause. But what can happen as you exist with a nonprofit for a while is that you can become callous to your cause and start blocking off resources and that abundant energy. Maybe those animals in the shelter aren't so nice to you and a dog actually bites you when you're trying to give it water. Funny story, but not so funny, right? Here's something, um, when I was in Thailand with my mom, we saw a monkey that was on a chain that was, and it was staked to the chain to a, to the ground. And there was a split open coconut about three feet away from the monkey. The sun was hot. The monkey sat next to the stake in the hot Thai air on the dusty ground. And my mom felt compassion for the monkey. But she also looked at the ground that was about four feet circle around the monkey, right? The monkey stomping grounds as it patted the ground quite well from where it could reach from its chain. In a moment of compassion, my mom, she actually took her water bottle and tried to splash some of her water into the half-cut coconut husk that was closer to her than it was to the monkey. But the monkey clearly knew its boundaries better than my mom 
and within a quarter of a second went from sitting passively near its stake to attaching its teeth and claws into my mom's hand that had just grazed past that circle. My mom pulled her back into safe territory, but the monkey had pierced the skin severely. Thankfully, the monkey didn't have rabies and my mom's hand healed very well, but my mom didn't hold a grudge towards the monkey but hasn't been so keen on monkeys since then. And I haven't either necessarily. So, I mean, it's one of those things. I've had a couple other instances with monkeys, nothing bad about monkeys um, for you with any monkey nonprofits. But you know, just it's sometimes if you get burned a little bit or if you get bitten either literally or metaphorically, you know, you kind of tend to think about why are we helping who are we helping and the reality of what we're doing. As another example, after working in a nonprofit that serves homeless for many years, I no longer hand out money to those begging on the streets. I've been burned a number of times in giving out money and have learned my lesson to give out food or other items rather than cash. And I'm not saying you shouldn't give money to homeless people, but I prefer to give out what they're asking the money will provide for rather than the money itself. So I really want you guys to think about why and who you're serving, you know, where that comes from that deep level. As a grant writer, I'm able to serve many different organizations and I'm honored to help with so many compassionate causes. Often I take on clients that have a mission that I'm passionate about. If I'm not truly interested in what they are doing or don't find a genuine purpose in the nonprofit, then I usually turn down those clients as I know I won't be entirely grants and finding money for them. Right? If I think, oh, they're a little off, I'm not really sure what they're doing with those funds, that sort of thing, I'm not gonna work with them, right? So first, right, to review, First, check your thoughts, emotions, and physical feelings in your beliefs about what you're doing. Second, tap into the deep reason of why you do what you're doing. Is it still relevant? Do you need to change what you're doing? Are you hardened, right, for what you've been doing? Now let's move on to number three. Realize that money is a mechanism and there is not a shortage of it, right? There's no shortage. Okay, now here is the magic. Money is just a mechanism and there is not a shortage. Just because the government says they will no longer fund your project does not mean that money has disappeared. It means that it has switched hands. I talk about this a little bit in the book, Wish Granted, which I now (laughs) am re-releasing it as the beginner's grant writing guide. Um, So please get that. Um, If you want to receive the free advanced copy, remember you can email me. I just want, you just put, I wanna be on the art team or add me to the art and I will include you on the advanced reader team. But believe me, if you believe in shortage, you will get shortage of money. But if you believe in abundance and prosperity, that is what you will get. Napoleon Hill writes in his infamous book, Think and Grow Rich, quote, riches begin with a state of mind, with definite of purpose, with little or no hard work, end quote. When you realize that there is no end point of money, it helps you relax and open up your nonprofit to abundance instead of scarcity. Right? So it's just really realizing it's not gonna go away, right? It's like, it, it'll transform. You even look at, um, you know, there's all different kinds, the Bitcoin, like where, what is that even based on really? You know what I mean? Like there is ways to expand money. So anyways, without going too woo woo, that's just think there's no end to it. There's not scarcity. We can relax and we can, we can still receive it. Number four. Oh, I love this one. This one is awesome. The no complaint diet. Here's a quick activity to do to help transmute your state of mind. The no complaint diet can be done for an entire day, but I challenge you to do it for an entire week. Throughout this time, write down how many times you complain about lack of money or have envious thoughts about others that seem to have more money than you. If that thought comes up, it's just so hard to get grants. 
Or if you drive past that other nonprofit's fancy building on your way to work and have the thought, oh, we do even more than them and feel an envious pang in your chest. Be conscious of what you are thinking and write it down. Once again, no judgment, just be aware. A further step is to pay attention to every complaint that comes out of your out of your mouth or that is about to, about anything. Things like, I'm too busy, my kids are all over the place, he, she doesn't like me, they won't do X, right? All of these are common complaints. You may be surprised with the frequency of the thoughts or things that come out of your mouth or from those around you. I've done the no complaint diets and I've really been surprised at the number of times I have had to bite down on my lips so a complaint doesn't escape, right? Or I have to think of how I will have to re-say something. I know that if negativity comes out of my mouth, then the venting will come out of somebody else's mouth and we will go down that rabbit hole of negativity. I also realize that when I say something positive instead, the negativity simply disappears. It's amazing, right? If you walk into a room and people are bickering, la la la, and this and that, and complaining about their boss or complaining, and they're both, you know, one says something, the other responds, and it's going down that rabbit hole. And if they ask you something and all of a sudden you turn it into a positive, it just stops the complaining, right? They look at you very strangely, <laughs> and, then, and then it stops. It's actually quite amazing. All right, so yeah, I mean, I also notice how often others are complaining and the negativity around complaining, it, as well as the blockage it creates for either finding a solution or creating a route for abundance, right? So number five, decide you will have abundance. So now that you've done the no complaint diet, now it's time to say, and you've actually watched and listen, okay, I was about to complain, or wow, that's really, I'm complaining a lot, writing it down, being aware, now decide you're gonna have abundance. Now change those complaints into abundance, right? So just by changing your attitude and mindset about money will open up new ways of receiving abundance. Sound hokey pokey? (laughs) Well, it really just makes sense. Think of that person who complains all the time. We all know them, right? Do things continually go wrong and it seems like the world is against them? Yes. It's like if you wake up and your first step is into water on your floor. Yes, that's happened to me before when my house is flooded. I could have decided the rest of the day was cursed and it would have been, right? Because I decided that it was going to be. So it's one of those things, I'm having a bad day, three things go wrong in the morning and you're just like, oh, this day sucks. And throughout the whole day, it just gets worse and worse and you just keep saying out loud over and over again, this sucks, this day sucks, it's just this day. It, it will continue. And a lot of it's, is it, you know, chicken or the egg first? Well, you can, all, <laughs> you can try to change it if you just change your mindset. Um, but the opposite's also true, right? How many bingo lovers put little stuffed animals or trinkets on their tables to bring good luck, right? Those lucky charms are needed to have a good hand. And if one is forgotten, that day the hands will be a stream of seemingly bad luck. Now those trinkets and stuffed animals surely have less power than the thoughts and desires exploding within the infinite energy of your mind, right, and of your body. So when I look at it, it doesn't seem so abstract or hokey pokey any longer, but it really comes down to a more scientific approach or just deciding, deciding what you want. So are you going to decide your nonprofit or grant writing business will have abundance this year? Or are you going to decide it's gonna be another tough year? Really, it's your decision. That leads us to number six. Take responsibility for your thoughts, actions, and results. 
I know this podcast may seem to be on a very different topic when you're asking, Holly, I'm just listening for grant advice. But chances are this may be a major hindrance and you're receiving grants or funding for your nonprofit. Am I saying you could be at fault? Well, I'm saying your thinking is responsible for the outcomes because all of your projects and efforts are first developed by your thinking and by your thoughts, right? We think and we do. So taking 100% responsibility for your thoughts and thus the outcomes around you is your responsibility, right? No one else is dictating your thoughts. You do that. You can do that yourself. You can actually have the power to do that. So remember the complaining, pointing fingers at the government, others in your community, and even your beneficiaries is another way of complaining and not taking 100% responsibility. I get it, it can be hard. Just yesterday I caught myself blaming someone else for not getting their part of a job done. Sure, it is true that I had been following up with them for weeks, but ultimately when I think about it, I could have been more proactive and it really is my responsibility for the end game. Why was I blaming them? Oh, because I felt guilty and bad about not getting it done, so I wanted to take it out on someone else. Ooh, the truth hurts sometimes, and it is much seemingly harder route to suck it up and say, yep, I dropped the ball and take the responsibility, right? It seems so much easier to just blame someone else and to be the victim. But when we go down that route day after day, that seems so easy. We are really just burying, like we're burying our, our real abundance and our real success. Manning up or womaning up and saying, yep, I dropped the ball. Now here is how I'm going to pick it up. Hurts for a minute, but then earns respect because people understand your integrity. It also frees up abundance and makes you feel good with being honest with yourself. This is reflected in grants and funding too. <laughs> Did the grant really just get rejected because it was awesome? Sometimes, unfortunately, but that opens up other possibilities and you can check out episode 35, how to embrace grant rejection. <laughs> but most of the time the grant was rejected because you may not have given it the time it takes to write it. You may not have read the entire funding opportunity announcement entirely to see what was all needed to be included. You may not have answered all the questions, or you may have just been chasing the money instead of really weighing if the grant was a good fit for your nonprofit, and the reviewers saw straight through that. There are many things that are usually in our grasp with how successful a grant, fundraiser, or crowdfunding campaign will ultimately be, and sometimes we forget that when we look at our unsuccessful outcomes. We immediately blame it on the others. The grantors just don't like your project and they will only select people they know, so they will never fund your project. The sales were bad for the fundraiser because people aren't generous anymore. It is too hard to reach people on social media these days with crowdfunding campaigns because it's saturated. These are common complaints, when in reality, maybe you didn't include all the attachments for the grant. You didn't do due diligence with communicating the value of your fundraiser or you put up two or five social media posts over a week and never got traction because you never actually looked at how to properly roll out a crowdfunding campaign. I'm not saying this is a case, but I am saying to not point the finger at others. As your thoughts come up in defiance against any of these examples, are they reality or are they excuses? Be honest with yourself. Now that you have examined your thoughts, tapped into what you are doing and why you are doing it, Notice that money is a mechanism and there's no shortage of it, have gone on a no complaint diet, decided you will have abundance and have taken 
responsibility for your thoughts and circumstances, it is time to move the needle forward if it hasn't already <laughs> done so. Number seven, be clear on what you want and focus on it. If you want more funding for your nonprofit, then it's time to get busy. How much do you need? Is it 100,000 per year, 5 million, 40,000? What is your number? Are you sure the number is what you actually need? Are you including salaries in there that will actually pay your employees a living wage? Or are you thinking that they can keep working at minimum wage? Are you cutting your budget every angle to look frugal to funding sources? The reality is that people want to fund your nonprofit if you are doing amazing work and shaving corners to penny pitch isn't going to, appeal, to be appealing to any funding source. You can and should actually use federal standards of what people get paid to pay your employees. Make sure you include stipends and incentives for volunteers or interns. It is actually okay to have a prosperous nonprofit. Funding sources realize that if you come in with a price too low, that your project may not be sustainable. Extreme frugality is always, it's not always awarded as it can actually demonstrate that you don't even need a grant. So use real numbers that you need for sustainability. Of course, you don't want to have extremely bloated salaries and 300% profit on every item, but do use a realistic budget. So now that you know what you need, strategize on what grants you need to apply for, how many fundraisers you need to have, what types of donor strategies you need to put in place, etc. Now have funding goals for each of these and believe that you can reach them. Of course, we can't just sit cross-legged all day and believe the money will come in and actually magically appear while you do nothing, right? You actually have to get busy and write those grants, arrange those fundraisers, and more. But do it with confidence, do it with integrity, believe that your efforts will be successful. Do it without complaining, without pointing fingers. Take 100% responsibility for all of your actions. That is your secret formula to increase funding for your nonprofit. Pretty simple, huh? <laughs> All right, guys, email me if you do your week-long no-complaint diet. I would love to hear if you have any epiphanies or realizations. But anyways, as you go into 2019, I really challenge you to get, you know, use this formula, put it into action, and be more positive and see more funding coming in for your nonprofit. All right, guys, I will see you next week. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you for listening to today's show. As always, please feel free to send me an email if you have any grant writing or funding questions to hollywego at gmail.com. If you enjoy listening to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, then I would love to ask you a favor. Please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening and go get funded.